So this evening begins Semwin, the Celtic holiday. Um, in the Celtic imagination, they, they visualize the year as a great cycle. And it had a, an upper light half, you might say, an archetypally masculine half, and then a lower dark half, an archetypally feminine half. And two of the most significant days were the, the crossover points, crossing from light into dark, or dark into light. Um, Samwin is crossing from the light half into the dark half. And it, it said in Ireland that uh, on these, these crossing days, Beltane is the other one, on Beltane and Samwin, the veil between the worlds is thin. The veil between our logical, sensible, everyday human world and the sort of the magical or mystical world of the fairies, the we people. And there are all kinds of stories in Celtic mythology about, you know, magical women coming out from the other side and interacting with heroes, you know, seducing them or teaching them wisdom, something like this. And I think what the these myths point to in many ways is there's something confronting about going into the dark time of the year. You know, the time of greater darkness, certainly in some ways it's an image of mortality, an image of death, and if not a, a physical death, a, a death of certain outer possibilities. Um, it often means that we're going to be spending more time alone and confronted with ourselves. Um, and I think in many ways, the, you know, what is mythologically called the other side, it, it's very easy to read this in Jungian terms as our own unconscious and just what, what is evoked from our unconscious as we move into the dark time of the year. And of course, it's funny, the, the exact opposite time we're moving from darkness into light. Everyone's, everyone's going out and out and about, and everyone's you know, being seen and seeing everyone else, and that, that's confronting for a whole separate set of reasons. You know? and, and incidentally, this, the, as you probably know, this Celtic holiday combined with the Christian holiday of All Saints Day, or All Hallows Day, to produce our produce Halloween, which is now, of course, a great capitalist holiday. Um, so I wanted to talk in this context about safety and risk in, in this whole idea of crossing into the dark part of the year. And I, I think I'll begin by saying, you know, it's very funny. There's a head-level story that we manage our risks and we evaluate every risk and you know if you know some risks we decide are worth it and some we don't decide not are, are not worth it and of course the story goes if we if we really manage our risks very well then we'd maximize our safety you know like this kind of thing um which, which sounds like a nice neat story and i think it's complete nonsense you know um Fears come from a very different level in the psyche. They don't come from the mind at all. The, the, the rational, strategical mind treats fears as if they're logical data, but they're not. You know, It's very easy for fears to 
run amok and, you know, um, and to produce judgments that are, are wildly unsound, you know, like, I'll never set foot on Oakland. All of Oakland is dangerous. You know, something like this. Um, safety and fear come from the lower chakras, come from the first and second chakra. And I think I would say, if you think of the heart, the fourth chakra, and think about the, the, the strength of emotions that you could have that you could feel in your heart. Um, each successive chakra as we go down, you might say is a jump in voltage. Um, and it would, it would take almost a, someone with a kind of sage-like capacity to feel the full intensity of first or second chakra feelings, you know. In both of these chakras also, the first and second chakra, really have their primary formation in the first few months of life, in in infancy, so really before our earliest memories. Um, Safety is a feeling in the first chakra. Um, The first chakra is all about grounding, it's about support, it's about am I able to generate financial support for myself? Am I able to generate emotional support for myself? Am I able to find my tribe? You know, it's, it's all those things. Um, and really safety is, it's a deep inner experience. It's an experience of being safe in my body, safe in life. Um, It's not something that the head can construct, and it, it's not something primarily um, constructed by, you know, arranging outer circumstances. And the second chakra, very interesting, the second chakra, it, it governs what we call, what you might call, our relation to the watery aspect of life the aspect of life that is in uncontrollable flow. Um, and it, it, you know, among other things, it governs our relation to our physical energy, which often has that quality of, of tremendous flow to it. You know, so everything about sexuality and dance and exercise, anything where the body is, you know, feeling good, moving as an animal, you know, that sort of thing. Um, if we all had incredibly well-adjusted second chakras, we'd all be very skilled at going with the flow all the time, you know, and we'd, we'd be perfectly comfortable with all the aspects of life that are wild and uncontrollable, you know. Insofar as we have struggles in our second chakra, that produces fear and a, and a related um, modality, control, wanting to control the flow. Um, and this whole idea that we get to, you know, and so there's, I think there's a lot of, of dialogue in the world about how we get to safety by control. If I control all the outer circumstances, you know, then, uh, then I'll be safe, you know, this sort of thing.
And fear is a very, very interesting. I mean, first of all, fear is something that we have to, to keep on facing every day because left to its own devices, it just grows and grows and grows, you know. Um, we have to be constantly in the process of, as it were, facing it and beating it back. Um, and I don't think it's really well understood, but fear is the opposite of love. You know, we have this story that the opposite of love is hatred. And yeah, if I'm in a place of hatred, then I'm certainly not loving. But fundamentally, hatred is simply a combination of anger and fear. It, hatred is not a primary emotion. It's built of those two primary emotions. Um, when we move in the direction of fear, we're moving away from love, and we're moving away from growth and healing. Um, and all steps toward love, toward self-love, toward love of others, um, involves risk. You know, in some sense, a, a, a better word might even be peril. All love involves stepping toward a kind of peril, a kind of risking ourselves, risking our own, you know, internal sense of safety or internal sense of control, whatever. I heard a great talk by David White at one point, the poet David White, and at some point he, he made a passing comment about finding the right kind of peril in the world. And then it was so funny in the in the Q and A after his talk. Just such a completely predictable question. A number of people wanted to know. Well, how do I tell the right kind of peril from the wrong kind of peril? And his answer part part of his answer is on the quote sheet. But his answer is essentially, it's sort of the nature of peril that you don't know. You know, it's sort of the nature of risk that you don't know. Like. People want to risk, but they want to guarantee and they want to control the outcome. Well, then it's not a risk, you know. Um, and he made the point that, you know, the way we find out, the way we learn is by risking ourselves in the world. And, you know, maybe when I'm in my 20s, I, you know, make these mistakes and then I live through them. And then when I'm older, I realize, okay, I'm not going to do that again. But there's no way to get there without risking oneself, you know. And so it's, it's a very interesting question. What is our relationship to risk? What are the risks that we're willing to take? And, and especially when it's, you know, not so much like physical risks, outer risks, but emotional risks with our, you know, inner risks, you know, and, and risks in intimate relationships. What are the risks we're willing to take? What are the risks we're not willing to take? You know, what are the ways that we feel open to the action of love, either loving ourselves or loving others, and what are the ways that we feel blocked by fear, you know? And what are the ways that we can be just a little more courageous, you know? And ultimately, the word courage comes from the heart. It's about that heart quality, you know? To, to what extent can I walk into the world heart first, as it were?
So I'll share the quote sheet. I don't think I copied the... I realize now that I called this up, but I didn't copy the document, so I have to copy the link. Okay, now I can share it. Shared with the Zoomies. So a Nepalese saying, no doubt influenced by Buddhism in one way or another, great love and great achievement involves great risk. Very simple. From the Roman historian Tacitus, the desire for safety stands against every great and noble enterprise. Meister Eckhart said quite simply, do exactly what you would do if you felt most secure. The poet Frederick Schiller said, it is easy to give advice from a port of safety. Jane Austen said, there is safety in reserve, but no attraction. One cannot love a reserved person. There's something deep there. Richard Wilhelm said, this is in his commentary, his, his, um, compilation of commentaries on the I Ching. When a person has learned within their heart what fear and trembling mean, they are safeguarded against any terror produced by outer influences. And that's really the nature of facing the fears within, that the less I'm fear within, I fear within, the less in the world I'm going to be afraid of. Carl Jung said, the most intense conflicts is if overcome, Leave behind a sense of security and calm that is not easily disturbed. It is just these intense conflicts and their conflagrations which are needed to produce valuable and lasting results. Helen Keller said, Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experiencing it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. I love that quote. Then a very sobering one from Martin Niemöller talking about his experience during the Holocaust. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. From the psychologist Eric Fromm, the task we must set our, for ourselves is not to feel secure, but to be able to tolerate insecurity. John Steinbeck said, we spend our time searching for security and hate it when we get it. <laughs> Walter Anderson said, our lives improve when we take chances, 
And the first and most difficult risk we can take is to be honest with ourselves. Anmara Lindbergh said, For happiness one needs security, but joy can spring like a flower even from the cliffs of despair. Psychologist Abraham Maslow said, The fact is that people are good. Give people affection and security, and they will give affection and be secure in their feelings and their behaviors. A little bit of the secret of being a high school teacher right there. Peter Drucker says, People who don't take risks generally make about two big mistakes a year. People who do take risks generally make about two big mistakes a year. Leo Buscaglia says, hugs make you feel psychologically more secure and together. Germaine Greer said, security is when everything is settled, when nothing can happen to you. Security is the denial of life. Bell Hooks, that extraordinary woman, said, the practice of love offers no place of safety. We risk loss, hurt, pain. We risk being acted upon by forces outside our control. Louis Erdick said, Life will break you. No one can protect you from that. And living alone won't either, for solitude will also break you with its yearning. You have to love. You have to feel. It is the reason you are here on earth. You are here to risk your heart. You are here to be swallowed up. And when it happens that you are broken or betrayed or left or hurt or death brushes near, Let yourself sit by an apple tree and listen to the apples falling around you in heaps, wasting their sweetness. Tell yourself you tasted as many as you can, as you could. Alan Cohen said, It takes a lot of courage to release the familiar and seemingly secure to embrace the new, but there is no real security in what is no longer meaningful. There is more security in the adventurous and exciting For in movement there is life, and in change there is power. This is this David White passage I was talking about. Well, of course, I think one of the definitions of peril is that you don't distinguish to begin with. You learn quite often by inviting the wrong kind of peril, and certainly that's in all of our great stories. To begin with, you don't know what's good for you, but you're willing to be brave enough to find out by inviting by being willing to risk the wrong kind of peril to begin with. And the more watchful you are, the more in readiness you are, the earlier you will catch it in the process. One of the signposts of maturity is that you recognize very early when a conversation is not good for you or a relationship is not good for you. And whereas it might have taken you seven years to get through that when you're in your 20s, it takes seven minutes say to say, I'm not interested in this conversation actually. And it's interesting, if you had known that one thing when you were in your early 20s, you could have saved yourself seven years of difficulty and humiliation and heartbreak, but there's no honest way of finding out but to risk yourself in the world. Keith Olbermann said, if you're not growing, you risk becoming a parody of yourself. That's just a fascinating idea. You know, to what extent am I already a parody of myself? Brene Brown said, 
Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous on giving up on love and belonging and joy, the experiences that make us most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore this darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. And finally, two from Race of Amenekin. Most of us have very little tolerance of anxiousness, ambiguity, and uncertainty. Instead, we naturally gravitate toward what is ever, whatever is familiar to us, even if it's painful, because we're desperately afraid of what we don't know and can't predict. And so it's a wonderful question. How much can we sit with anxiousness, ambiguity, and uncertainty? How much can we just be with that? He also said, life is full of peril, but peril is not always what we imagine it to be. We think that peril holds us back. When we hurt, we want to feel safer and more secure in order to be able to take a risk. But life doesn't operate that way. In fact, it's just the opposite. Security and safety come after taking a risk, not before. 